time for another episode of scaring is sharing yes it's the podcast where you get some spooky news and some frightful views because we share them with each other and you about all things horror yes <laughs> are you with me jeremy with the original sasquatch limb rusk i am with you brandy joe Plambeck, the flaming scream queen himself i don't, I don't know i'm sorry i'm re- i was reading i was literally trying to read the article uh that came with one of our uh bits of mail here so wow. sorry sorry i distracted you sent it well, to me right it. before we started recording and i'm trying to read it at the same time as recording and i'm failing at this i gotta i see where your priorities lie Mm-hmm. Uh, well, while Jeremy's off reading some other things, I'll continue the <laughs> podcast here. Um, if you've never listened to us before, Jeremy and I talk about horror things, stuff that's going on in the news and things we've watched. And then in a typical episode, we share the scares with one another and assign the other person a horror movie they've never seen before. We come back and we talk about them. But when there's new releases, sometimes we just go to the movie theater and then we talk about that. And that's what we're doing today. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get to that, Jeremy, what is going on in your world? What's going on in my world? Uh, uh, I don't know. It was just Fourth of July, you know, big holiday weekend for us Americans. And uh, did the family vacation, you know, trip for uh, a few days um but i did get in viewings my annual viewings of what i consider the fourth of july essential horror movies jaws and return of the living dead so both on the fourth of july proper uh i watched <laughs> see i kind of flipped it up here because you know return of the living dead day is officially july 3rd because right. that's when it starts uh, and jaws is set on july 4th but i flipped them and uh you're wild you know, rascal i watched jaws on the third and return of the living dead on the fourth itself so okay you are just out of control sometimes i like to mix it up but you know i'm set now i've watched them although i'll probably watch return of the living dead again i probably watch it like i think twice a year at least like every year so you do love that movie i love that movie so much it's in my top four i moved it to my top four on letterboxd so okay i think it deserves to be there so do you know what i watch on the fourth of july what'd you watch on the fourth of july casablanca <gasps> oh i saw i was stalking your letterboxd and i saw you had because <laughs> you know that we talked about it before because i've yep. never seen an ingrid bergman film before what was it uh dr jekyll mr hyde no i can't remember you gave me something that had ingrid bergman did it did we it was something with ingrid Ingrid bergman i remember talking about peter laurie and i said he was in casablanca as well there was is she not and she's in ad dr jekyll mr hyde is it not the one we watched uh was she i don't think she was was she now you're confusing me I'm I looked her up because Joe was like, what was it? Because we had talked about Casablanca, but because oh, you know what it was? What? Gaslight. That's what it was. Oh, she's a, yeah, she's in the movie Gaslight. 
Here's for you, Christian. My an my annual, my um weekly mention of it's only a podcast. Yes. No, <laughs> I can't. But yes, we, Gaslight we, is what I saw her. Yeah, Gaslight. We talked about Peter Lorre because when we watched M, you were like, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. And I said, You've never seen Casablanca because that's probably like the God, most famous. That? Oh, okay. Well, that's what that's what we talked about, Casablanca. But yeah, I'd never seen Ingrid Bergman before. Gaslight, which if you haven't, that whole It's Only a Podcast did a whole gaslighting series. It was fantastic. And and I was like, oh my God, she's amazing. Because that movie is fucking good. And then, yes. So, like, Joe put on Casablanca because I'd never seen it. And I was like, oh, am I going to be confused? Like, when, oh my God, trying to watch The Godfather. I was so fucking confused in The Godfather. I just couldn't even deal with it. Mm-hmm. I, and and Joe's like, oh my god, no! It was like you know, it was the forties. Like they they weren't about confusing people. But thank God Joe was there because I was like, what's going on? <laughs> like it was great, but like I was just confused about these papers and what's going on in the world and the war and all this. Like I just like I'm glad I had my dramaturg there with me, my mm-hmm. husband to explain to, it to you to explain it to me. But it was a really fantastic film. It's a great movie. But I think on second watch, knowing what's going on and not having to try to like figure it out because I'm not like all hyped up on, I'm not hyped for history, that I think I would enjoy it even more. But it was a mm-hmm. really terrific movie. It is good. Yeah. Um, so I watched that on the 4th of July, which was terrific. And then I watched the two Insidious films, which we'll talk about later. And mm-hmm. I also watched a couple of uh, Black Mirrors. Mm-hmm. Which I watched the second one first, which is Lock something or another, because someone told me it's the most horror movie of them, of the new ones, like the scariest one. And it was weird because there's really not a whole lot of, like, you know how normally Black Mirror is like some sort of Twilight Zone for a new generation with like technology mm-hmm. at the forefront? And it's not that at all. Just weird. It's just, it's not even weird. It's just, it's just a little serial killer tale. Oh. But it definitely, from the two, so I watched that, and then I watched the first one, Jonah's Awful, second, which that's sort of, they're swapped in the order of how they actually are, like, listed. And it's sort of, it feels like Netflix, just based on those two episodes, is trying to be very like self-referential of itself mm. in this season. Mm-hmm. Like it's not Netflix; it's called something else, Sweetberry or Sweet Valley High. I don't know what it's called, but mm-hmm. it's set up to look just like Netflix, and it has like the Netflix own. But it's called something else in the show. Um, but it feels like Netflix is like we're self-aware it's like what it feels like so that's how the second one sort of fits into it because it does become like there's an aspect of it that's Hmm. sort of self-aware but it doesn't have any of that like futuristic-y sort of vibe to it interesting like the the all too near future yeah like most of them do yeah yeah, yeah, it's not there. Not there also. I'm 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 fascinated by the fact that every individual episode of Black Mirror is on Letterboxd. Where I'm like, I know, isn't it a TV series? Like, are we supposed to it think is, of these all they, as short I like films? That. When I started to see them, I was like, oh, okay, I'll put them on here. Yeah, that's the thing that gets muddled for me on Letterboxd is like random television series are included. Like, what's the criteria? Like 
for example, they do a lot of like animes on there where if it was like an anime that ran for only like quote unquote one season, I know they didn't do, they don't really do seasons in their production, but like if it ran for just the one series, they'll include that series as like, you know, they'll have like cowboy bebop runtime, like 525 minutes, you know, cause it's the entire like run uh-huh. of the television show, but they'll include that on there. And you're like, that's not a movie though. And I don't think it's intended to be. And that, that's where I get to the whole, like is, is black mirror. Are we supposed to look at those as individual, like short films or is it a television series? Like what, what do you say in letterboxd and or creators of the show? So I just think that's fascinating. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're, Almost always different directors, if not always. So in that regard, I mean, I know TV series also can be like that. Like every episode can be. I don't know. I feel like if something's like a mini series, like a one season sort of thing, it should be on there. That counts. Yeah, I think that counts. And I think Black Mirror, because they do feel like little mini movies. That must be it. Because like another example I can think of is Twin Peaks The Return is on Letterboxd, which is technically, you know, the third season of the show Twin Peaks. Um, But uh, just the return is listed on its own. And I think they're going off the idea that David Lynch himself said he considered it one long movie. uh, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. He viewed it as different from the existing, the pre-existing original television series where this was intended to be taken in as one like 15 hour long movie or however long it is so one narrative so uh, i mean maybe i don't know we're getting into the politics of letterboxd here so but hey that's what we talk about but then i was wondering like well then the haunting of hill house should be on there and it sure the fuck is 575 minutes there there you go yeah okay yeah haunting a hill house and i think bly manor's on there too I mean, it should be if if in, Hill House is on there. In fact, I think all of his miniseries are on there, like Midnight well, see, Mass. And... I'm I'm there for that because I think a miniseries is just like yeah, a, long a miniseries movie anyway. is like a really long movie. Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, like so I you... think some of those animes fit into that because I think that's what a lot of them are. Yeah, right. I I can see that argument. I think yeah, from the creators, they intended as like this is the narrative. Now it's done. We just divided it up into you know like twenty five parts or whatever. Yeah. Uh, however they do it. So, so even though you're against it, I'm for it. I don't know if I'm against it. It sounds kind of like you are. <laughs> I, I just want some direction. I want somebody to present the rules of mm-hmm. how they decide what goes on and what, because I'm that kind of person. I look for clarity, Brandy Joe. I need, <laughs> I need to know why things are the oh, way they, I need to know should, if you have anyone should be like anarchy. Ah! Sometimes. But other times, but not when it comes to letterbox, and not when it comes to movies. Then I'm like, "What are the rules? Tell me what's going on here. How do there we decide?" Are very simple rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're Randy. Mm-hmm. You are Randy. If we're gonna be any characters in Scream, you're oh, definitely God. Randy. I am so Randy. Are you? I don't know me? who I am. Tatum. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not Baby. sexy enough to be Tatum. I don't know who I am. I don't know. I think you have the gravitas to be our Sydney, though. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll be Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Uh, there's got to be a little quiz somewhere. So we yeah. should take it and find out who, who we are, are we. Who mm-hmm. are we? Um, let's see. So I feel like those are the things I've watched that I wanted to mention. Um, also I found out and I didn't know this, that the movie, the fun house, the Toby Mm -hmm. Hooper movie. Yeah. 
has a novelization by Owen West, who's actually Dean Koontz. Whoa. Like Dean Koontz wrote, wrote the, the novelization. novelization. Oh, now I kind of re- want to read that novelization. I know, me too. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I mean, like, I used to read movie novelizations as a youngster. I did um, too. I l- used to love going to the Wyoming Bookwells, what it was called. Yeah. And you would go in and I'd buy, you know, stacks of books for like $3. And they were all horror. I wish I would have kept them because they're all those covers were amazing yeah and i just loved yeah seeing a movie and then this was like you know i wasn't buying it when it came out on home video immediately so like the best way to relive the movie was like but i did buy the paperback novelization so now i can reread that and in a way repicture the movie again but um most of those you know were just kind of written out slapdash but it's cool to find the ones that are written by like really good authors <laughs> so that you know their quality yeah i i used to have the halloween novelization Mm -hmm. um which had like someone in like a ghost costume on it i want to say um god that's what i've heard i've heard some of the halloween movie ones are pretty good oh i found it it has like someone in a like a like um like in a sheep, but with like a uh, pump- pumpkin head and they're like holding a knife. Oh, cool. Hold on. I'm going to show it to you here. Um, I did also, I know I had mentioned before that I wanted to um, listen to the Children of the Corn. So I was like looking for an audiobook, and like the BBC did one. Like mm. it was like a two-parter or three-parter like at one point. And so I listened to that. And it was fine. It was a lot more like the movie than I thought it was going to be. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so I was a little surprised by that. This is not going as I would like it to go. Um, Here we go. Yeah, but it's not like, yes, but it's this. Have you I've never seen this, this book cover for Halloween? I don't see the book cover. I just you, have. You don't see it right now? Nope. I just have your, your stuff. Oh my! St- oh, I must have shared the wrong screen. Shared the wrong um, screen. All right, here it is. I think yes. I just now. saw, but there it is. That is ridiculous. Or treat or die. That is ridiculous. Yeah, I had this as a kid. Awesome. It's like so weird because it's like it's like they they piecemealed it together. Uh huh. Because it's not like the person's wearing the sheet like a ghost. No, it looks like a Photoshop from hell. I know it really does. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Um, but yeah, so the children of the corn because I wanted to like I'm more about listening to something than reading it. Truly, um, but I and you know what? No one took me up on my um, my credits for Audible. Not a single soul. Jeremy Rusk. Oh my god, you guys are missing out. I know. Although Ethan did <laughs> send me a message and say that he didn't hate me, but that he gets his audiobooks through his library and they don't have. The troop. So oh. I was like, yeah, that's a nice try, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Just tell me the truth, you know? Sure, Ethan. Sure. <laughs> Too good for free audible credits. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's very similar. It's just a little darker um than it. And you know, it was not great, but neither is the film. So 
So, yeah, but we love it anyway, I guess. I mean, we we love Isaac. Isaac is yeah. creepy. The I creepy. like the, I like the first children of Corn enough, you know, it's not like a uh stone cold classic in my mind, but I'd watch it again. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's it's very like when when the monster he who walks behind the rose or whatever when the monster is revealed Mm-hmm. In the short story, it's not like the movie. It's not like an earthquake. It like literally, I think, like comes out of the ground, mm. like and it is like a giant like corn monster, like made of like the earth and stuff. But it, it's like it comes out and it's just a moment, and then it's like that our hero gets killed or whatever. Like our lead character, he's not really our hero because he dies. But mm. so the monster is kind of cooler. But I bet, especially back in the eighties, they would not have been able to do that successfully. You know, not pull it off i with still kind of want to watch had. the remake not the not the newest one but that one on the sci-fi channel yeah oh yeah 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 the one from like the early 2000s yeah that has sue snell from the carrie tv yeah. i love I mean, her in general that's another series i'm super weak on i've only seen i think the first children of the corn all the way through and then maybe parts of some sequels here or there but i've always wanted to visit some more of them um for like so bad it's good yeah just to see just to see and i know the series has got to have its fans or else it wouldn't exist there has to be somebody that was you know buying these so um you know what does it does anybody have any suggestions is anyone out there a big Children of the Corn Scholar, can you point us in the right direction to like what's worth our time or what sequels are just don't even That bother? is what we should do is have a film festival where we show like two or three Children of the Corns and call it like Children of the Popcorn and we like give free popcorn. Oh God, yeah. And show awesome. like a few of the worst Children of the Corn movies. Like there's the one Isaac's Return where like the kid who played Isaac is like mm-hmm. 55 and like comes back, back to yep. the series because everyone that's like he's the creepiest part about it. Oh my God. It's so funny you say that too, because I literally had that idea not that long ago about like, oh man, uh I would love to do some kind of like fest of like Hellraiser sequels, like and just watch some of those terrible sequels with people. That would be fun. So I think we're on to something. And I think Charlize Theron like got her start in Children of the Corn. Mm-hmm. Because on my husband's podcast, Three Funny Ladies, go and check it out. They were just talking about her. And I'm pretty sure that's where she got her start. So I'm looking that up right now. But definitely Naomi Watts. We've talked about that, I think, before. She, yeah, um, she's uncredited, Charlize Theron, but in Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest, she's Ellie's follower. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I think I've seen some of three. That's... Yeah, it's not good. I mean, okay. none of them. None of them, none are, of them good. are good. But and that also reminds me too. I remember last time we talked, I said I had only watched like twenty minutes of the movie. I did finish watching Hellraiser: Hell World. Haven't uh, you before? Had you not finished it? Well, I I, I finished it since we talked. But last oh, time okay. we talked, I'd only watched like twenty minutes. And then I do want to say, you know, Henry Cavill, um, good. I mean, you can watch that movie and be like, he's the only like good actor in this. One of the only good actors. I can see why he went on to become what he is now. But um, God, that movie, man, I spent I spent a large chunk of it thinking I was going to give it like a higher star rating on Letterboxd where I was like, 
this is kind of fun. It's kind of funny. But then it got to the ending. I was like, no, that was just bad. Woof. Like it, it loses the plot halfway through and just never comes back. So. See, Jeremy, you say woof like it's a bad thing. But, you know, in our, the bear community, mm-hmm. we that's like, that's like, yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. There you go. For it's some like, people. Woof. Some people. So, but when you're with me and you say woof, I'm going to think, ooh, that means it's good. Could be so bad it's good. I don't know. Or sexy. I had to watch. It is pretty sexy. They crammed a lot of sex into that. I one. bet. Well, good. Henry Cavill gets a BJ in it, so. Oh, fuck. I'm going to watch yeah, it then. If you want to. Sure. If you want to fast forward just to that scene. That's okay. In there. That's in there, but. Yeah, I will. Um, I So I think the festival should actually be called Children of the Corn on the Cob. And we, and we serve corn on the and cob. And we serve corn on the cob. And popcorn. Okay. And that like Mexican corn, Mexican <gasps> street style corn or like whatever. Like street corn? Yeah. But wait, Ooh. I don't like corn on the cob. So like I, if I get corn on the cob, I like take a knife and I cut it off because I like the corn on the cob, but I don't like eating it. Yeah. Like that. Take it back. Corn on the cob is now out of the equation again. But it should be called Children of the Corn on the Cob Festival. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like Children of the Popcorn Festival. But. <laughs> it could be whatever. Bring Children of the Corn of your choice. <laughs> yep. So keep listening here. Or I got it. Children of the Cornhole. And we play Cornhole while we watch Children of the Corn. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm onto something. I think you're a genius. We have a Cornhole tournament. <laughs> Children of the Cornhole. Whoa. And we watch it while we play cornhole oh and my we, god and we do is yes and we do and is, we eat corn on the cob you, but off the cob <laughs> you can eat corn in any method of delivery you want and and we will watch several children of the corn movies. children of the corn off the cob that sounds amazing <laughs> this is happening now people market the prophecy has been foretold if anyone from planet n is listening this is what's happening Get ready. Get ready. We're going to make this happen. Oh my God, somehow. though. I think that this would be a really successful because you're combining an activity, a couple activities, eating and cornhole, which I love cornhole. I, I mean, love it. Yes. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't get more fucking Michigan than cornhole. So. And just like some horrible children of the corn movies that you don't have to really be paying attention to, but that can be playing in the background. And if whoever's not playing cornhole can just watch it and eat their corn on or off the cob or their popcorn or whatever other corn things yeah. that you can have. And we'll just try and play as many children oh of the corn God, movies so as we can. I'm so turned on right now. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, this is amazing. Genius. All right. Let's read some of our telegrams. Okay. Okay. I'll kick us off. I have one from Teacher Drew who writes... Hey guys, I appreciated the love you showed Ed Wood in your last episode. I think it is tragically underseen and underrated. To your idea of reviewing Gods and Monsters, yes, please, it is heartbreakingly beautiful. I'm still on summer break and I'm currently on my third novel. This one is How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. So far, it's my favorite of the summer. There's a strong, determined, multidimensional female protagonist from a very quirky family. It's part hereditary part poltergeist and part magic that said it is fresh and new enough to be interesting back to movies i'm a huge fan of wes anderson and would love him to do a horror movie why who 
are some of your favorites that you would like to see delve into horror? Well, my friends, till next time, stay healthy, stay happy, stay you, Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Thank you, Teacher Drew. And yes, I want to check out How to Sell a Haunted House. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I heard back on what you thought of the Final Girl Support Group. So please let us know. Mm-hmm. I ask and beseech you. Right? That's a thing. I beseech yep. you. I beseech you. I beseech you, Teacher I beseech Drew. thee. <laughs> but yeah, that one sounds good. I've heard um, good things about it. Yeah. So who are some directors that you'd like to see do a horror film well well first off teacher drew i love wes anderson as well i think i've said before i could watch a hundred wes anderson movies i love his style i'm so. gonna go see his new one joe asked me and i'm gonna do it it's gonna oh, be my first full wes anderson oh cool we're going this weekend to see it, Is it so. oh did it start today i think it can't yeah i think it comes out this weekend so oh my gosh okay i'm going yep. to see joy right on saturday which looks like a delight oh cool but yeah, yeah wes anderson with i the snl sket sketch sketch i can't talk right now the snl sketch they did um a few years back uh where owen will owen wilson no 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 sorry ed norton plays owen wilson in the sketch and it's amazing but it's if wes anderson did a slasher movie is what okay. the whole sketch is and it's like pitch perfect it's like uh, if you watch some wes anderson movies then go watch that sketch and you'll be like this is pitch perfect um so i wish he would do a horror movie ones that haven't done that i would love to see is i've always wanted a coen brothers horror mm-hmm. movie um especially like the closest they've ever gotten is their movie Barton Fink. Uh, Cause there's a whole, sorry, mild spoilers for the movie Barton Fink. Um, there's like a whole subplot with a serial killer in it. Okay. Uh, and, and that gets like close to a horror movie. And then there's some like psychological, like unraveling going on with characters. So that's like the closest they ever got to true horror, but not quite there. Um, so I've always wanted to see like, yeah, I want to see Coen brothers do a full on, monster movie or a slasher movie or something like that okay uh greta gerwig she's mm. an amazing director i want yeah. that very she's got a very singular distinct voice so that Fuck would be yes yes um i'm sort of cheating and like pulled up like who are some of our best directors right now mm-hmm. um paul thomas anderson oh that'd be so weird yeah like, like you know it'd be like yeah it would probably be akin to like ari aster i feel like if i know and i one. still need to see bo is afraid because it is all over the board as far as people loving it people either people... loved it or hated it yep yep it and, seems, I, and i'm just so i'm so curious gotta some see people are just like oh my fucking god it's so good so i'm yeah. like okay i gotta i gotta check it out um let's see I'm trying to think. Uh... But yeah, there's lots of lots of good people out there, man. So mm-hmm. and women and everyone else, all of the folks, all mm-hmm. the F-O-L-X's. I, I always wanted to see uh, Quentin Tarantino. Like do a, a f- yeah, because he on horror from movie Dusk Till Dawn. He's just in. Right. He's in it and he wrote the script. Um, and then death proof was his half of grindhouse, Mm, which plays with like slasher movie a little bit, but it's him. Death proof's my favorite of those two. Oh yeah. And death proof is awesome, but he, 
doesn't really hew, you, you know, it's Tarantino, so he hops genres. It doesn't stay a horror movie like all the way through. Uh, I want to see, I would want to see him do something that is, you know, distinctly just a horror movie. I know at one point he was supposed to do a remake of some uh, Italian horror movie. Like that was something he really wanted to do, but hmm. never came to pass. I think there was a rights issue going on. So I think it was like an Argento movie or something like that. He wanted to do a remake of that would have been cool, but so, Teacher Drew, who for you besides Wes Anderson and everyone else? I want to hear who mm-hmm. would be great to do a horror. Who's, film? who's a director that has never done a horror movie that you think you want to see do a horror movie? Yeah, and is the guy who did Call Me by Your Name the guy who did Suspiria? I believe it is. Which I'm excited for Champions, but you're not. Yeah, it didn't look like oh, my... Oh uh... my god, I think it looks so fucking good. I can't tell if there's like some homoeroticness in there with the two like tennis player boys. It seems like it. It's it the kind does. of movie, that's the kind of drama I have to wait and see uh, what critics are saying and like what people say about it. Because from that director, I assume there's going to be more to it. Um, but like, that's one of those trailers that I'm like, this does not excite me because this just looks like a million other dramas to me. So yes, he did Suspiria and he did Bones and All, which I will give you someday so we can dive into that. See, that's, we talk about walls, you know, that's a wall for me is when I see the played straight, like just interpersonal drama type movies, I'm just like, yawn. I don't, there's no vampire in this. Where's the zombies? Like something, you know, those are the movies to me that I'm like, this is um, just Zendaya is the, the vampire in it. She looks amazing. She looks like oh, she's yeah. going to throw down. She's she going to wreak some havoc. And she yeah. looks fucking gorgeous. No, no, no slight against the actors or anybody in it. It's just, you know, story-wise, I'm like, I don't, I'm never like riveted by those sorts of movies when I see the trailers. I have to hear from people that they're, worth seeing before i check them out and that's just one of my walls you know that i'm working on expanding my mind i have no walls so i don't (laughs) know what you're talking about oh boy Mm -hmm. uh all right will you read our second telegram real quick before i get to that because our second telegram is from lauren and lauren i wanted to say thank you for the choppy drawing you sent us uh and i wanted to update you that my nephew has seen it oh Uh, he referred to it as a masterpiece, <gasps> uh, but he then complicated the choppy mythology because oh. he said, well, maybe that's not quite choppy. Maybe it's closer to choppy's brother, Tentacly." <gasps> oh, oh, I don't like how that sounds. I, I know, but apparently choppy has a brother named Tentacly. Oh, I can't say a tentacle. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird to say. I wanted. I'm petitioning to rename him uh, Tentacles. I think that's oh, better. that's better. Yeah, I like Tentacles. Tenta- I yes. like Tentacles better than Tentacle because that's hard to say. But anyway, the lore of Choppy expands. He has a brother. Um, I don't know. Uh, he said that uh, the difference is that. And now, Lauren, you did get this detail right. He said that Choppy had green eyes originally when he explained it to me. But now he's saying, actually, Choppy has purple eyes uh, mm. and tentacly has green eyes. So, you know, the lore is I changing. I once believed him. <laughs> it's now expanding. I'm not so sure. The mythology is changing. Okay. Um, but he said the drawing was a masterpiece. So It really is, Lauren. And it's much beloved <laughs> on our end, Lauren. <laughs> so thanks for doing that for us. Uh, but now on to the telegram 
And Lauren writes, final dogs. I thought of Bad Moon, which I watched recently. And this list reminded me of several others. That's the article I was reading at the start uh, why I was just podcasting while distracted. (laughs) Uh, Lauren goes on to write, killing innocent animals or people in movies is probably the most successful method for making a horror movie a horror movie. Horror is just high stakes drama and nothing makes emotionally healthy people more uncomfortable than the thought that the bad thing can happen to someone who doesn't deserve it. I'm personally very weak for small kids in distress. Obviously, I love animals, but the parent-wired brain goes a bit wild over protecting children, which also explains why you can become more sensitive to animal-directed horror after losing a beloved pet. That's so true. And I mean, I I think... I. I can't mention certain movies without giving things away. And even though they're older, Mm -hmm. I will be respectful. But certain movies, a certain movie in particular where a small child dies really turned off a lot of people Mm -hmm. because of that. And you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Very divisive. Yes. But I think that 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 choice really did create that divide with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't like the child was beloved in said film. Nope. Like the child was creepy. <laughs> yep. But still an innocent nonetheless. But still like, an innocent. Although yeah. was were they? Well, did they deserve <laughs> what they got? That's the question. Yeah. But yep. but yeah, I, I agree. I think that's that is what can make certain horror films so good is that you don't know who's going to live and who's going to die. And yes. the, the stakes are all over the place and yep. you just never know. I think that can be like one of the traits of a super successful horror film. And I feel like the stakes, yeah, that really ups the stakes when like rando bystanders can die or um, uh, like, you know, dog on the street gets killed and you're like, oh shit, they mean business with this movie. So um it's yeah, it's a way. I mean, it's still kind of a cheap trick from filmmakers. It's a way to up stakes without harming your main characters. Because I think the best way to be like, oh, the stakes are very real is to kill off like a main character unexpectedly. But you know, you can't do that all the time. Just like we were talking about, and I failed to read that Stephen King article about like homophobia and Stephen King. I said I was going to, and I kept trying to remind myself and I forgot. But in that same way of like having uh the bully call someone the f word or the n word or whatever like Mm -hmm. it yes effective but also kind of cheap like a more Mm -hmm. effective bully is someone who you don't think is a bully and then they do something and it's like oh i thought they were not like that's the more inventive and creative and effective way is to make us think someone's nice and then behind someone's back they're doing this and that and that like that is that is the stronger choice yeah or yeah yeah or bring it on in pieces like how awful this person is like have them make choices that are increasingly bad and create a layered character instead of just they're dropping you know f-bombs and you're like oh i hate him now i guess and they did no work to develop the character so yeah exactly make some strong choices okay yeah, come on, guys. People, you can. We're we layered can, folks, and granted, yeah. there are people who are just straight up assholes. But you know, we we see enough of those. Let's you give can, us some layered assholes. You can do it. I believe Ooh, in you guys. I don't like that I said layered assholes. <laughs> I think that sounds really just dis- disgusting. But you know, 
Well, but, thanks, Lauren. Uh, what what, what oh, else? I was just going to say, everyone can make better art if you just layer it. Yeah. Take time to develop an idea. Don't rush. Don't rush me. Um, well, thank you, everyone, for writing in. Please write to us as well. Scaringasharing at gmail.com or slide into our Insta. Scaring is sharing. All one word. That's right. Cram them uh, all together. <laughs> Cram them. Shall we get to our film? That's right. All right. Well, you all know you've clicked on the episode. We are doing Insidious colon the Red Door from the year of our Lord 2023, directed by in his directorial debut, Patrick Wilson. That surprised me to learn that. I learned that yeah. today, like before we saw the movie. I had uh, saw a blurb that said in his debut, Patrick Wilson. In his like, what? debut. Directorial debut. And the tagline is face your demons. And the description is to put their demons to rest once and for all. Josh Lambert and a college age Dalton Lambert must go deep into the further than they ever have gone before facing their family's dark past and a host of new and more horrifying terrors that lurk behind the red door. So can I just say, first of all, my biggest gripe with the insidious series mm-hmm. is the S and the I in the word insidious that is red. It makes no sense. I'm trying to understand why. Yeah. And I don't. Someone, I've, I've tried to research it, and the description, the, the reasonings are all over the place. Mm-hmm. But apparently, I think in the first one, it said, like, insidious is insidious. And somehow it used the S and the I, but it's S-I, not I-S. It's just, it's so confusing to me. I, 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 I can't make sense of why it needs to be in red. It needs to all be red. Like, like, I, I, like I'm trying to like decipher and I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't figure it out. So I'm just going to say that if someone out there has an explanation, I want to know it because I, I, I've dug down some, dug down, whatever. I've gone down some, dug some down Reddit deep. holes and, um, Pulling up roots. Pulling up roots. So, Jeremy, before we get into this movie, let's talk about the other films. So you okay. told me before we went, and you've mentioned it before, you'd only seen the first one, and did you rewatch the first one before we went? And I didn't. Okay. So I've I only watched s- one and two. I've only seen the first one once ever, and none of the other sequels. So you guys are going to get an interesting take on this movie. I think. Well, I mean, you, there's there definitely are some plot points. So mm-hmm. if you're going to go see this before we get into any spoilers, like just in an overall sense, you'll want to see one and two. Yeah. You don't need to see three or four, which are like prequels and yeah, things like that. You don't need to see those ones. But definitely there are plot elements of two that are in this. For sure. That's the stuff I think any moment where I was like, what? When did that happen? Oh, that was probably two. So so real quickly. So part one, Joe and I rewatched together because he wanted to watch it. The first one is so good up until a point, like up until mm-hmm. a certain point. It is so fucking creepy. There's some amazing scares. It's what I it remember. Just about so it. good. It feels like a contemporary retelling a poltergeist without yes. ripping like without being called poltergeist it that's essentially what it feels like though mm-hmm. but the scares are so effective there are some super creepy ass moments but then it all goes to shit because in poltergeist i mean so many elements like the woman 
ghost speaker with her sort of bumbling crew showing up like that whole they show up but where it goes to crap is in poltergeist where it doesn't go to crap is that when the mom goes to get carol ann and bring her back you don't see what happens Mm -hmm. and here we go behind the curtain and it's not so pretty yeah i think it's best like you're saying in poltergeist i'd rather it be left to the imagination what actually happened yeah they come back with all that goop all over their body and you're like what was it like there mm-hmm. and hearing carolyn screaming about like they're he's coming after me or whatever the fuck i can't even remember it all now mm-hmm. but it is it's just so much more effective leaving it to the imagination yes and, and then- it just the and the first one just falls apart once it goes into that that third act i know we've talked about it before but because of how good the scares are i still rated it a three and a half yeah it's like from what i remember of my impression of the first one exactly like you said it's like a modern day poltergeist up to a point and then it becomes a weird retelling of wes craven's new nightmare is like the direction it decides to go in but it makes no yeah it, it it just doesn't feel right because that's not the movie you were watching the whole time like it takes some twists and turns into territory that feel like did you guys take like two different screenplays and like stitch them together in the middle to end up with this or what so and then the second one i remember not liking at all and i rewatched it and i liked it more than i remembered liking it it does this weird thing though and i'll tell you this and you know if someone's gonna go out there and watch part two although it's like 10 years old or whatever like Go watch it before you hear me talk about this. But in the first one, there's like the the creepy woman in black who's like, you found, you discover as the movie goes on, was like following Patrick Wilson's character, Josh, as like he was a little boy and they like hypnotized him, made him forget about her, whatever. You find out in the second one that she actually is a man in a dress who when he was a little boy, his mom made him dress like a little girl. And he grew up to be this serial killer who would dress in a black wedding dress and kill. He killed like 15 people and they called him like the woman, the the bride in black or something. So it has a very sleepaway camp transphobic vibe, but it's that weird transphobia where like someone was forced to dress and act in a gender that's not the gender they are Mm -hmm. and then became a killer because of it which in a way is like i think about like i try like it's hard to analyze it completely because it's almost like you if you're forced to be a gender you're not you can become a killer it isn't it it is transphobic but it's almost like you should be the gender you want to be so i go back and forth on it like i feel it is not good because anyone who doesn't dive into it in a certain way you just come across as very transphobic like a man who dresses in a in women's clothing is gonna become a killer yeah it it feels like one of those things that like when you're presented with it you're like well yeah that's bad you don't want to turn people into killers but at the same time it feels like it's totally invented like i don't you know is there like a myth about trans people if you will sort of if you know where i'm going with this like it feels like is that just a made-up thing to be hysterical about like is there any data to show this has ever actually happened in real life like at all so but i think the complication is in both of these scenarios sleepaway camp and insidious chapter two more specifically they're not actually trans people they're people who were forced to be a different 
yeah, gender. And it, and it feels like the message is... But it feels like the message is trans people are killers. Ex- yeah, that's Yeah, exactly. It feels like it's saying, if you get confused about your gender, obviously you're going to go crazy and do yeah. like, crazy shit, which is just absolute rubbish. But it, it's, you know, it, it appeared to be... Again, with Sleepaway Camp, I know that was all stuff in the 80s, so it's kind of shocking to hear a movie using those tropes in this day and I, age. I know, so. and I, I was, it, it was a little while ago now, you know, yeah. like eight years ago or whatever, and yeah, we exactly. have changed a lot since then, because in this film, they don't talk about that at all, really. I don't think they bring it, they bring up her a time or two, but they don't talk about mm-hmm. her history and that she's actually, she is appears. This man. She appears in essentially a cameo in this. Yes, but they don't talk about the history of her. So I feel like they're like, let's not go there because that was not great what we did before. Yeah. Um, The first film really uses a a style that I hate, but I think it's of the time where like there's like you see like the creepy ghost, which the whole further thing I just hate so much. But you'll see the ghost and like they're looking one way and then an. In the next frame, their faces are different. Like mm-hmm. it does this very jolting thing that just feels ten years ago. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad to like the second film doesn't do that as much. Um. But the second film does some really clever things. So Patrick Wilson's character Josh gets possessed at the end of the first film and kills Lynchay's character. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the whole second movie, he's essentially like possessed by the creepy woman. I think by her. Yeah. He's possessed by one of the guys. I can't remember now at this point, but there's some really cool things with like time travel in the further that happened in the second one that goes back to the first film. Like Mm -hmm. it sort of ties certain things together. So it almost feels like the first film and the second film were made in tandem, which doesn't usually happen with a sequel. Like it's like the sequels sort of an afterthought and Mm-hmm. So that's what I really liked about the second one is I felt like it did some clever things in regards to that. So I rated it the same thing. I rated it a three and a half. Mm-hmm. But still didn't like love it. But overall, again, some good scares and some interesting things with the further and sort of time travel in a sense. Um, so that brings us to our film today that we saw. Insidious, the Red Door. Colon, The Red Door. The new one, um, which... All that being said, this one, having seen no other sequels other than there's a brief recap in the beginning of scenes, I'm assuming, are from chapter two. Yeah, uh, it's really just a singular scene, the end. A singular scene, the end of chapter two. So that catches you up. The rest of this movie feels like a companion piece to the original. Um, and I guess it is, you know, they bring up plot points from chapter two. But uh, from what I remember about the original movie, this feels like very close closer to the first movie than what you're saying chapter two was about so i feel like okay they're trying to go back to basics sort of thing uh and i will say like the whole third act of this movie felt incredibly reminiscent of the first time uh i watched the original movie so i was like okay this one is it feels like they're doing that thing now the whole like do we call it a requel anymore because it feels like they're starting to muddle what that idea is already uh that scream uh five brought up of uh it's not it's a sequel but it's also kind of a remake of the first movie uh with some new stuff going on so 
yeah, I don't know. It just it feels like we're in a weird time for franchise sequels right now. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess it's sort of hard. I feel like this deals a lot with Chapter Two because in Chapter Two, Patrick Wilson is possessed mm. and. Mm-hmm is constantly attacking the family or like ultimately that's where he ends up going is he's trying to kill the family. And it's like, it's your dad and he's trying to kill you. And so the family's that sort of like deep rooted trauma that they're trying to forget. And I think a lot of this movie is based on that. So I Mm -hmm. think it deals a lot with chapter two and like forget, like in a way it sort of seems like, is it a parallel for, you know, your dad who was an alcoholic and the way he acted, you know, it doesn't, it feels like it doesn't, it isn't trying to be metaphorical, but I think you could think of it in that way of like, let's forget what daddy used to be like when he used to hurt us. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, it does. It goes totally different routes for a while, and then it ends up right back where everything else ended up. And I wish it would have just com- completely done something different. It mm-hmm. did feel like like the the tone was different than the other ones. It's still like I mean, I probably jumped a good five times in this one. There's some effective scares, but it takes its time really getting to know these characters and some of the new ones, which yeah. I think it does a fine job of. You like the characters for the mm-hmm. most part, but I want more Rose Byrne. I want more Lynn Shay. I was sad that Barbara Hershey wasn't there except for as a picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I was hoping she was going to show up because she's still alive, right? Barbara Hershey's not dead. I'm pretty sure she's not dead. Um, so I was bummed that she wasn't in it. And I wanted more of the, the, the two guys. I love them. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Tucker. I love Tucker. Tucker and whatever. Because Lee Wanell is one of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from Invisible Man fame and all of that. And, you know, having previously written some of these films. Oh, and what I forgot to say is at the very end of Chapter 2, do you know who's in it as a tiny little girl? Who? Jenna Ortega. Oh, wow. She's very tiny. So the beginnings of the... The new Scream Queen domination. Yep, and she is in Insidious Chapter Two. Awesome. Um, so yeah, there. I thought they did a good job of bringing in those guys here, but I wanted just more of them. And I thought, you know, they bring in Lin Shay, but like, I still wanted more of her. And when all was said and done, this movie felt very small. Like, there's not a lot of characters when you sit and think back mm-hmm. on it. There's not a lot of locations, so I wonder if it just had a much smaller budget. Um, But at the same time, uh, we were speaking about stakes earlier. This movie didn't really feel like it had any stakes story wise, like honestly to me, because we've just been I know that, you know, it's a whole series following this family and their misadventures with ghosts. So I was kind of like, you know, they always come out on top somehow. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like I don't feel like anything is dangerous or they stand to lose anything as this movie unfolds uh, other than their own, you know, drama, which uh, other than that though, it's like, oh, there's not enough extra characters here. Like people aren't going to be getting offed by ghosts or anything like that. Sorry. My spoilers. Yeah. But... I mean, that's where you go with these PG 13 stories though. Yep. Like if people are going to be getting killed, it's not going to be in a way that's terribly exciting because it's PG-13, yep. so, so they'll be killed off screen. Or you just don't kill them at all, mm-hmm. which makes the stakes a little lower. Yeah. But you jolt people with some some scares. Some cool you know? scares. Yeah, definitely. I jumped. Like, uh, 
at a lot of these and it's like yeah it is that jump scare you know the fun house like that's what these movies are um very much like uh uh anything what's his name works on now it's escaping me james uh, wan james wan thank you yeah most of james wan's work is you know exactly like that as well where it's the uh uh the fun house just tons of scares you don't know when they're coming things are just going to jump out at you and scare you so and when we showed up to the theater there were way more people than there normally are on a thursday night when we go see an opening of a film just in the theater itself like in the 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 building there were way more people and then in the theater of insidious colon the red door there were also a lot of people mm-hmm. so i'm curious to see how it does this weekend because i feel like people are going out to see it they're ready for a scary movie and it's pg-13 so and yeah. yet we didn't see any small children so that was nice that was nice this time around because i feel yeah. like half the time we're going to see this like you know halloween or scream sequel or whatever and there are people children. with like with like toddlers with yes. them and i'm like uh you know i believe in starting them early but that feels a little <laughs> young i don't know yeah um but yeah overall fine you know yeah just that's what i thought too i was like this was fine this was not a bad movie um it did compel me to want to go and watch insidious 2 though so i get all those plot points but other than that yeah and i thought that i i liked that they had all the original people in it minus like the little girl like the the daughter was someone different because that girl's probably like you know whatever she's like setting to be a doctor now or whatever she's not into film she was just used as a baby um but i like that both of the sons were the same boys and i really yep. liked the lead kid i thought he was very very good yeah i think he did well yeah um all, what is all grown name? up ty simpkins yep all grown he, up now yeah he's in the whale and then he's like a marvel guy he's in some of the marvel films like okay. avengers and oh, iron man that, 3 that's correct yeah he was the little kid in iron man 3 so but yeah he's really really good i thought that he was good but you're right i feel like the stakes could have been di- different mm-hmm. to make it all i don't know a little more compelling yeah that was it. When it was all said and done, I was like, there weren't really any anything at stake here, it felt like. At least not, you didn't feel it as a viewer, I thought. So. Like, as opposed to the son and the dad having their own sort of adventures on their own and ultimately coming together, I feel like it should have been the family, like the mom and the other brother are in danger, mm-hmm. and therefore the father and son must come together to go save them. Yeah. Like, but it wasn't, I feel like the stakes there could have been higher. Yeah, the way it was done here. Yeah, but you know that's where you get into the whole like you could feel that underlying current where they're like, "Oh, this is about working out some emotional stuff about fathers and sons." Like that's where the plot of this movie's going. So, um, yeah, read yeah, into that would, what you will. You know, I would be, uh, I would be very curious to hear your thoughts on chapter two. Yeah, I definitely got to uh, check it out as soon as I can. Report back. Yep. All right. Well, we'll finish now and you can go watch it. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's what I have to say. Um, more Rose Byrne, please. I love her. She's so, so yeah, good. I love her in the first two movies. And she's good here. Just, you know, more. And I, please. And honestly, I feel like <laughs> I've only seen the first one and the latest one, but I feel like 
give the series a rest for a minute. I don't think there's, I don't need another insidious anytime soon. So, yeah. And I, I mean, they make it seem like it's the end. So, mm-hmm. we'll so see, but it's probably going to do really well. And then they'll be, it's going to do really well. And then they'll make a sequel to like those prequels because I know that was creating its own like plot line. So, we'll see. Oh, I do have something else to say though. The, the dark, Darth Maul monster from the first one. Mm-hmm. Here he looks less red because yes. I feel a lot of people gave them shit for how much he looked like. That's a character, Darth Maul, right? Yeah, Darth Maul from Star Here, Wars. Here he was not as red. Yes. But like he... that monster is not in part two. Spoiler alert. Okay. So like that's the one thing. They're not like, oh, let's bring back the same monster all the time. That doesn't necessarily happen which I can appreciate, but here he does make a return, but he looks a little different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I bet you it was a response to the fact that everyone's like, it just looks like Darth Maul. And now that since the first movie came out, the Darth Maul character is in even more Star Wars media now. So it's an even more present, you know, pop culture character. So I bet you that that moved them to be like, we got to make him look way different. Yeah. Uh, And now that Disney owns it, you know how litigious they are. So it's like, we got to make him look a lot different from Darth Maul. All right. Well, anything else you'd like to say? No, I think that about covers it. Also, no, I have one more thing to say. I'm sorry. Okay. But I, I, I don't feel like the red door itself, like it's called the red door, but it's like, I, yes, it seems to be the whatever the um, the link between the two worlds. But I, I just I don't think that it. I was wondering I if that was is that something from the lore I'm missing or didn't. Know I mean, about? it definitely is a part of the other movies. Yeah, that, like they cross over. But like you don't have like you you. Once you sort of start that astro astro projection, yes, like you don't have to go through the red door in order for it to be happening and for ghosts to find you. Like it can just happen immediately. The rules are pretty loosey goosey. That's I think what I'm getting to. Like it doesn't seem like oh, close the door or the door is open and therefore it's happened. Like it seems like it happens no matter what. Yes. So the fact that they're making such a big deal about the red door feels a little like, but why now? From the first movie and then even this one, it does feel like a lot of the lore is just based on like, we invent a rule when it sounds good in the plot or like, you know, to explain something. But then if you stop and think about the movie, you're like, I've been seeing them break that rule this entire time before they, you know, like, you're going to go into the, the, uh, what's further. it called the further you're gonna go into the further and first you're in kind of a waiting room apparently because you have to walk through this door first um but then later things can just chase you all over the place even in real life so it's like what the door is not a connection like i don't know it's too loosey my college roommate jenny used to tell me that she could astro project and she was yeah. not the type of person to like just like make like you were like shit okay mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but she was like i she was like, it was so weird. I could like all of a sudden, like I would be like flying above myself. I could watch myself sleep. I could go out into other rooms. Like, so I was always so like, wait, what? <laughs> now I've had out of body experiences. You have? Were you I, high? I have. Uh, some of them, yes. <laughs> uh, and, a, and a couple other times it was like really sleepy. So I think it has to do more with dream state. 
but it it is uh it is a bizarre sensation where oh, i've never you, had where, that where you feel like you're above yourself like looking at yourself but Ooh, that's that as far is as, so weird that's as far as i've ever gone with it not like flying around the room or something it's usually like I'll get that feeling where I'm like, whoa, and then snap back to normal oh, once, once I re- realize it. So oh, I want one. Yeah, that's the furthest I've ever gone. That's the furthest. That's the furthest into the into further. The further. The I want to go into the further. I want somebody to train me how to use my astral projection powers so I can go into the further. Oh, Just keep wanting stay to call away it, from the red door. I keep wanting to call it the beyond, the further. I keep wanting to call it the nether. Hmm. That's so, a good one, too. A lot of yeah. alternate t- names out there they could have used. All right. Well, without further ado, mm. out of yeah. five what? Red doors, I guess. <laughs> out of five red doors. We're, we're not do even give, sure what the rules of them are. Um, what do you give Insidious the red door? I give it three. I give it three as well. Whoa, it just, by the skin of its... The paint on the door. It just <laughs> got a scare of approval. Scare of approval. Yes. We're checking out Not Bad, a fun summer horror movie. Yeah, yeah. I think so far this has been a good summer for just fun horror related stuff that's coming yeah, out. And I like mean, every week. More to come. Yeah, it feels like cool stuff every weekend it's i think i said before it's given me flashbacks to back in the day where i would just like live at the movies over the summer because there was always something coming out that i'm like that looks like it's worth checking out so yeah so are we crazy let us know scaring and sharing at gmail.com or false on insta (laughs) slide into those instas (laughs) yep smash that like button and um we'll be back next week okay Okay. Okay. And remember to wear sunscreen and help him on. <laughs> and keep watching the skies. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because... Scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.